0: A big lesson for me was that I thought I was going to go out there and fucking pray for a vision and the skies were going to open and eagles soar over and it was going to be like, all right, sweet, I'm good to go, done, got my vision, everything's easy peasy. It wasn't like that at all.
1: My name is Evan Meyer and you're listening to the Undomesticate podcast, a show where we explore how to deprogram domestication, restore the health of our body, mind and spirit and return to our sovereign roots. Welcome to episode one of the Undomesticate podcast featuring Alan McGrath. Alan is someone I met through my work with John Wineland, and we instantly connected because we share just a ton of similarities. We initially bonded over our love for heavy metal, and we spent many, many hours driving around, sharing old playlists, and jamming with each other on our old electric guitars. We're also both long-term Vipassana meditators and have an affinity for sitting in uncomfortable positions for many, many hours at a time. More recently, Alan and his partner Shea hosted me in Austin for about six weeks this summer, which was brutally hot, but an amazing time. They've got a beautiful place, and it's actually where I recorded a number of these podcasts. Now, Alan has been leading men for nearly a decade, which is kind of crazy to say because he's only in his early 30s. And today he's an intimacy mentor and he guides men and women to embody the teachings of sacred intimacy. And for almost a decade, he has dedicated himself to facilitating the evolution of men through embodied masculinity, finding a higher purpose, and unlocking sexual power. He leads women through their journey of feminine embodiment, sexual yoga, and the art of intimacy. And he works with couples on deepening their connection through polarity and relational intimacy practices in his workshops, trainings, and one-on-one coaching. In this episode, Alan and I chat about his recent four-day vision quest, the importance of power statements, how he was initiated into men's work, why meditation practice needs to be paired with embodiment work, how nature is our greatest teacher, processing the grief of disconnection from the natural world, and so much more. And hey, if you've listened to a few episodes of this podcast and you're enjoying it, please let us know by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the message out to the world, and it allows me to curate the best guests possible. And finally, head over to Undomesticate.com and sign up for the newsletter to receive exclusive show notes and offers related to this podcast. You'll also be the first to know when each episode drops. So let's go ahead and dive in. I hope you enjoy today's episode of the Undomesticate podcast with Alan McGrath. It's good to finally finally sit down and do this. We just had a incredible weekend. We're here in Austin. For those watching this, um, came last week me you nick warner chris marhefka a whole bunch of other beautiful humans ended up coming here not really knowing what we were getting together for and and coming out with just uh, some really really powerful ideas and collaboration uh so it's it's been really great spending time with you and now we're here at your beautiful home Mm -hmm. uh, hot sticky may (laughs) day in austin (laughs) yeah still getting used to it but uh yeah, man, I'm excited to do this, and I just want to drop in and start by sharing a little bit for those of you, or for the people who are watching this or listening to this that don't know you, who you are, uh, you know, how you came to the work that you do, kind of what you do, and maybe yeah. just tell a little bit about your story. Yeah, man.
0: Well, I got started at the ripe age of 22 in this work, mm-hmm. but, but really my journey started back in, in, when I was in high school. When I was in high school I had a friend who introduced me to meditation. I Was in some silly club and they were like, Hey, I wanna get break together and do a meditation. And that night when we did that, like pretty much the rest of my trajectory changed because I realized like I had an experience that was unlike anything I'd ever had before and made me see other like there was some kind of internal world in me that was unexplored, that I had never touched. Mm. And after that one practice, I, I kept it up. I looked up online, like what is meditation and how to practice it. I found instructions for actually anapana that they teach in Vipassana. Mm-hmm. And I just kept doing it. Um, and I was also, I was gifted books from my grandmother that, that really impacted me Gifts, books like the prophet, um, conversations with God that I was reading at a young age. And so I kind of from th- from then on, I had a, a, a tilt towards the interior world. And um, at the same time, I also, like I struggled with, particularly my relationships with women, like girlfriends that I had would cheat on me. And I just never like, I never, it never clicked for me. I always felt pretty alone and lonely in the world. And so I kind of leaned on that internal world um, as mm-hmm. a place of solace mm-hmm. and all throughout college it was kind of the same like i just felt like like drinking wasn't that cool for me um drugs were a place to numb out but but um were not ever that fulfilling and all the while i was i would you know i'd go to the occult section of the library and get you know the 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 books that were the most intriguing on tibetan buddhism or um you know like the theosophists or just just things that really called to me that i didn't really know a lot of people who who in my circles who were doing the same thing um and at, at, at that whole time i around right after i graduated college um the first thing i did was go and do my first serious meditation retreat and that that was like
1: was that vipassana
0: that was a vipassana yeah. yeah and that was a big game changer because I had been doing it this whole, you know, for at that point, whatever, six, seven years. You'd
1: been meditating? been meditating. Was there a particular style or something that you were doing I was, before that?
0: I would do two different things. I would mm-hmm. either listen to music, and that would be my concentration, mm-hmm. or I would um, just do breath awareness that I had learned way back then. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, early on, I would try, would try and, like, disorient myself. Because the first couple of times I meditated, I could astral travel.
1: I had no idea what the, the fuck first that times was. You yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That's why it was so impactful for me. Interesting. It Was like all of a sudden Dude. I could like literally go anywhere I wanted to, do anything I wanted to. It was like the first time I meditated, I like flew out of my body and flew out of the hotel room that we were in and up into the building. I could see the whole fucking city.
1: You remember it pretty clearly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I was like, "Well, what is this?
1: Wow.
0: But, like, this is way cooler than like, those drugs <laughs> that those guys are doing. Totally. Like, this is awesome." So I tr- I tried to like recreate that for mm. a while. And I would try and like do these things to like disorient my mind and and I could do it for a while and then I and then I kinda got stuck around these expectations of how it should be and stuff right. like that. So so I ended up a lot of the time I just either listen to music and pay attention to it and like if my mind moved, like that was my concentration point or my breath. Um but that that first vipassana, I was like it was just this next level of depth. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, like this totally. just there's nothing like sitting still for ten days. Um paying attention to your breath and your
1: body yeah yeah one of the things that we really connected on when we met a few years ago uh through john wineland's work we were both in in emlt together Was was three years ago now i think mm-hmm. uh was vipassana because for me the same thing it was I got into meditation i was i was more dealing with anxiety kind of like depression and had these spiritual inklings and and studied a lot of interesting books and philosophy and stuff in my late teens but didn't get into meditation until I was in my early 20s and it was with Chogyam Trungpa with Shambhala because I was living in Nova Scotia in Canada and after his whole organization kind of fell apart many people moved to Halifax Nova Scotia for whatever from Colorado Um and and they had a temple there and but I was living in this weird world where like I didn't avoid the drugs and drinking like I was still partying but I was also like going to these meditation retreats <laughs> and I lived this super polarized kind of life you know where i literally remember the first meditation retreat i went to it was uh it was just a day long it was three days but it was you'd go through the day at the chill at the center at the shambhala Mm -hmm. center and then you'd go home at in the evening and on the sunday the last meditation it finished in the mid-afternoon and then i walked right from the temple to a kegger (laughs) and just got wasted and i was like reflecting back on that you know i'm just thinking this is this was the the polarity of my life like i was living two lives, essentially, where I had these real spiritual inklings and desires, but I didn't have the confidence to really stand in that, yeah. and even I remember my buddy, one of my best friends, he's like, you're going on a meditation thing, and he's like, you're so weird, man, and I was just like, oh, like, that's why I don't want anyone to know about this stuff, <laughs> right. you know what I mean, yeah. and then, you and know, then years later, I did some other work and started to really come into myself, and then, same thing, I think I was, tw- it wasn't until I was 26 when I f- sat that first Vipassana, mm. and I was like, oh... Like this, because I didn't, I hadn't had the experience of meditation like you had had Mm -hmm. where you had immediate, like profound Mm -hmm. shifts. I was just like, this is really good for me and it's helping with my anxiety. And I was into yoga and so it was kind of paired with that. Um, But after that first Vipassana, like it really solidified what's possible, you Mm -hmm. know, just sitting in that intense experience.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I'm curious though, what do you think it is that, like you had this natural proclivity almost to avoid a typical, um, you know, the messiness that a lot of like yeah. late teens and early people in their early 20s and oftentimes people beyond that too get into. But it seemed like you kind of went on more of a straight and narrow path. Was mm-hmm. there anything particular reason why? Or did you just feel like you came into the world kind of already walking that path? Do you know what I mean? Yeah.
0: I, it, I think it was a combination of that. Like that's just kind of my way. Mm-hmm. And like there's a kind of, like I would say like that's the sole answer the the human answer was also just that that I felt fear. I felt mm-hmm. um I felt afraid of losing control. I felt afraid of being seen. I, I felt misunderstood often, so I wouldn't put myself forward to be seen. Um but I think it's both. I, I think a part of that was like me trying to wrestle with this sort of soul proclivity to that way. It's, yeah, kind of the straight and narrow or the yogic. Um or the interior that was not <laughs> you know, was not my natural environment that, mm-hmm. that I grew up in. I grew up in, like, an affluent town in California. and yeah. um,
1: That's just so unusual, you yeah. know, for someone that young. I, I, I see it more with younger people now, actually, mm-hmm. but just, like, fuck, like, I wish that I had just found meditation at 20 when I did and just been like, oh, this is the thing. But instead of right. having to wrestle right. back and forth mm-hmm. with it until it took me another five or six years to really, like, you know, claim like, okay, like I'm on a more spiritual path yeah. than trying to prove something to other people yeah. or whatever like that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, how did that all lead? So yeah. you did this Vipassana exactly. and then exactly. you, it kind of led you to this yeah. work, right? And so and I know a little bit about your story, mm-hmm. but I'd love to, I'd love yeah. for you to share it. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, so after that, I found this, like, you know, this depth of being that I just was next level. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: after your Vipassana. You yeah. Mean, after the yeah.
0: Vipassana. And the first thing I did after that was do another one. And I started also started traveling. I had some money saved up from college, working in college. And um, so I went to, to Costa Rica, and I was there for a while. In Panama, I was playing music. I was kind of traveling around and going to these meditation retreats. Um, and as well, throughout early, early college, I started to do yoga. So I went and did a yoga teacher training in Mexico that was you know super full-on and intense and got some of that um, Native Mexique, Mexican wisdom, and did my first temazcal and all of that, and kind of all the while I had had this sense that like something was missing, mm-hmm. and I couldn't I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but I had the sense that it had something to do with men and masculinity, and I ended up going back to to California. And I went to a uh, a retreat there or a festival there. And I found this thing that was like, there was like a whole, you know, list. Of, like those California, Conscious California festivals. You mm-hmm. got your smorgasbord of all the mm-hmm. things you can do. To, Buffet. Yeah. <laughs> Consciousness. <laughs> exactly. Consciousness. <laughs> and ecstasy and bliss. Um, and one of them was the Men's Initiation Workshop. Okay. And it just hit me. I was like, I have to go to that. Like I, I knew that that thing that was missing had something to do with not being initiated. Uh, And I don't know why I was thinking about that stuff. I don't remember really reading about it or anything like that. Um, but I just knew it had something to do with like, fuck as an an American kid, I didn't get initiated. Mm -hmm. I didn't, no one said like, Hey, you are no longer a boy Mm -hmm. and here's an experience to like take you through to the other side into your manhood. You know, we got our driver's license. We got like, uh, <laughs> totally. you know, we could buy
1: um, so cigarettes or alcohol whatever. Like buy alcohol, alcohol or whatever. join the military, exactly. like all these weird-ass yeah. ways of, of doing yeah. things for sure. And
0: that's not it. Yeah. That's not it. There's no real challenge or experience in that that takes you to that, what we need because we don't get initiated. Women get initiated from their body. Mm-hmm. Their Biologically. body Yeah, yeah. It, it, nature initiates them. Yeah. Boys need men to do that. And I didn't get that. So I sought that out and... That workshop I was like done I was just like this is this is how old were you at that time I was 22 yeah Yeah. Um, Yeah. I was 22 I ended up hiring um, I I ended up hiring the man who ran that workshop he became my mentor for the next well I mean he he still is in a way but we worked together for six years I kind of studied as an apprentice with him and started to help him run his his programs and his retreats and his workshops and I just I just threw myself into it mm-hmm. just threw myself into it and I never stopped
1: um What do you think it was that happened at that the one workshop that yeah. you went to at the festival that you were like that's it
0: You know the thing that really stands the real the moment that stands out to me the most um was a couple things one was uh we did a practice that actually we've done together later on the feel the feeling you've never felt Mm. um and i just remember there were these uh i was in a group of four and there were uh, in that exercise i was encouraged to feel the thing that i had never fully felt um in my in my in my being in my body in my
1: life and i was held back by these two like huge burly men Hey y'all, hope you're enjoying this episode with Alan. I just wanted to take a moment and share something with you that Alan and I are actually putting together this October. Ascent, it's a three-day men's retreat in California about an hour east of San Diego in the desert. And if you're a man who's ready to go through his own rite of passage and really just start leading his life, Join us. It's October 6th to 9th at Yakumba Hot Springs. This is an event that we're putting on with two other men I interviewed on this podcast, uh, Nick Warner and Chris Marhefka, who you can learn about in episode 2 and 3, respectively. This is going to be a powerful weekend. It's going to be full of deep embodiment practice, breath work, sunrise hikes, ice baths, shadow work, and so much more. Really, if you're a man who's looking to dial in his purpose, to master his relationships, and just to really start living at his edge, you're not going to want to miss this. And listeners of this podcast get an exclusive discount of $500 by using the code Brotherhood at checkout. But this offer is only good until September 30th. So go ahead and go over to ascentretreat.com for more information and to register. I'd do it today because this is going to sell out. All right, let's get back to the episode with Alan McGrath. And
0: I just remember there were these, uh, I was in a group of four, and there were in that exercise, I was encouraged to feel the thing that I had never fully felt um, in my in my in my being, in my body, in my life, and I was held back by these two like huge burly men as I was just you know raging forward with 22 years of you know like unfelt feeling, and I remember like how strong I felt, how free I felt, how just fucking express, I felt in that moment. And how these guys who were fucking huge were struggling to hold me. Um, and so, so that moment really stood out as like this breaking free of the conditioning that I had you know, taken on and put on myself and internalized. Um, and the other thing was how grounded and still and present um, Zot, who was facilitating the workshop, felt to me. There was just this depth to him that I was like, I want that. Like, mm-hmm. I, And I didn't really have that as a conscious thought, but I just was drawn to it, magnetized to it. So those two things, like, I, I just had this sense of like, okay, whatever we were doing here was going to lead to that. was going to lead to that kind of embodiment. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, like I said, I just fucking threw myself at it for... I haven't stopped. I literally yeah.
1: have not stopped. <laughs> totally, yeah. No, my experience is really different, and I can... I can totally attest to that practice. You know, being so powerful, dragging Cliff and Amir, who you know, like across the floor of the dance hall in Shasta with John, and just like, they're like, holy shit. And I cracked Cliff's rib. I was just so deep in the practice. I was just like, ah. So powerful though, right? Just there's something that that whole, you know, there's a whole energy that just unlocks when you have the safety and the the capacity in the room to let that out in a way that you can actually just, like, let it out without mm-hmm. feeling like, oh, fuck, what's my impact going to be? Or, like, people yeah. are going to judge me or I'm going to get arrested or whatever it is, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or I have to be drunk to get this angry. Or, mm-hmm. or how, however people kind of, um, yeah, you know, uh, reconcile that stuff with, like, yeah. those emotions that we can't really feel and, mm-hmm. and having the space to do that. And it was very similar for me when I... When I initially, whatever I was called to sit in a men's group, and immediately after the first session, I was like, oh, this is it. Mm-hmm. Like, This is what I've been missing. I've yeah. been doing Vipassana. I've been sitting with plant medicines. I've been traveling the world. Very similar, yeah. right? I've been living in South America. I've been searching. I did landmark. I was doing all this stuff. And then I sat in a men's group, and it was just facilitated by a few guys who I still work with today. Um, and it just unlocked something. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh this is what's been missing, you know, never been initiated. Same yeah. thing. Never, never really had an experience where I felt like there was a delineation between being a kind of a childhood and mm-hmm. the mother, you know, the, the the child of my mother and my father and, and a man. Yeah. <clears throat> and that led me to John. And of course that's where we met. And, mm-hmm. and the rest is kind of history. So totally see that. And, and, and just the power that a lot of guys don't understand exists in this work. Um, mm. That it's really hard to to get a a feel for it just by listening to something or hearing people yeah. talk about oh, it. Yeah. you kind of get it get it in a room, and and when you meet those guys like Zat or like John or like you know a lot of these dudes who have cultivated that level of pre- presence and depth. Because it's different than Vipassana. Vipassana is a very, it's active, but it's also a passive of like, oh, we've got oh, yeah. to burn away our karma mm-hmm. and the sankaras and stuff. Yeah. But when you get in a space where you can also touch on the stuff that's really there, the yeah. grief and the the pain, you know, and the joy and everything, the whole breadth of the experience, but I'll actually bring it through expression, yeah. uh, it, it really shifts things in a way that Vipassana didn't quite touch on for me yeah. in just stillness meditation.
0: Well, the thing for me is that Vipassana is Is highly oriented towards the masculine It's like or it's like all about awareness. Yeah, Yeah. it's like the feminine is But you're outside of it. Mm -hmm. Right and and the beauty of the kind of work that we do and we've been a part of is that it When it's good. It's got that awareness. It's got that consciousness, but you bring that same depth into life Mm -hmm. into your feeling into your body into your sex into your relationship And you live it. You don't just sit with it and observe the life that's happening inside you. You fucking, you interact with it. You break its rib. You, you know, you scream (laughs) at its face. Like that's, that's the beauty of this kind of work. Mm -hmm. And, um, I haven't found anything like
1: it. Quite like it. Yeah. 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 Well, I want to shift gears a bit, and I want to ask about something more recent for you, and that is this vision quest that you went on. Mm -hmm. That was with Jetty, right? Jetty Azuma? Yep, Jetty
0: Azuma, the compass. um,
1: Yeah, I'd just love to hear about what led you to do something like that and, you know, Mm -hmm. what your experience was like. Uh, Just share a little bit uh, for anybody listening about kind of the arc of that experience, what the constraints were, and then kind of what you're taking away from it.
0: Yeah. Well, first of all, let's say that, you know, it's kind of – it's kind of a like an American colloquialism to say it's a, a vision quest. Because sure. really it's not. We'll okay. just be clear about that. Because yeah. people, you know, it's important to honor those traditions that actually are that. So a traditional vision quest, you know, is held by a certain group of people um, in a certain way. And we didn't quite do it in that way. So, okay. um, uh But we, you know, the the group that I went with, Jetty Azuma and the Rising Man group and their program Compass, um have a very similar, you know, they pulled from different traditions and that, and, and they hold it in a really, really beautiful way. Mm-hmm. So essentially what it was, was, um, uh, a group of men, myself included, went out into the wilderness here in, in, uh, Houston, Texas and, um, prepared for a couple days to go and be alone in the wilderness for four days and nights, um, fasted from food, uh, we we had about a gallon of water for every day. Mm-hmm. And um, and the purpose of which was to <laughs> well, the purpose is it was every man's every man's own unique experience. For me, when I was a kid, I was fascinated with Native American culture. I just had this like deep connection to them and I would I remember like crying when I would read these books. Um, just feeling so like, both so connected to them as a as a culture, as a spirit, but also so fucking awful, thinking that my people did what was done to them. Um, and so I think it was in reading those books early on that I first learned about what a vision quest was or you know, what it might be, where, you know, when when the boy would soon become a man, or it was around that time, 12, 13, 14, he'd be sent off into the wilderness alone to... Um, to fast and to pray and to um, receive a vision. And then, which is really important, the next step is to come back to his people, particularly to an elder, usually a shaman, to interpret that vision, Mm -hmm. to help him make sense of it, so that he would know what his purpose in the tribe was. And that experience is, is that thing that we were talking about was missing for, for all of us that going away to a challenge that, you know, like a rite of passage is this beautiful razor's edge of like, I really want to do this thing, but I have no fucking clue if I can actually do it. Like where the possibility of death is there. Um, so that it's actually surmountable, right? There's no, there's no challenge in getting your driver's license. Like mm-hmm. there's no fucking psychological death that needs to occur. And and on the other side of that, like, coming back to to the tribe to find out, okay, here's what you received. Here's how you're going to live it. Here's how it's going to come to life through you. And the moment I, I read about that, I knew I had to do it. I fucking knew it. Um, was
1: that a while back? It was a while back. That? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a
0: while back. And I can't remember exactly when I learned about it, but I always knew, like there's something in that
1: kind of putting that in the back burner. Like there's something that I'm going to have to experience at some point when it calls to me.
0: Um, and you know, three or four years ago, I I started to experience these really kind of bizarre, um, experiences of hypoglycemia, low Mm -hmm. blood sugar, um, that really fucked me up, man. Like really fucked me up. I, I, I became like highly neurotic around like, how many meals? I would plan like four, five, six meals ahead of time. I like always have food with me for fear of it happening and I would be unprepared. Um, and and my relationship at that time, she did a, a vision fast early, like maybe three years into our relationship. That mm-hmm. was re- that was really powerful, and really strong for her. Um, and so that was another one of those like it came back around of like, oh yeah, here's this thing that I know I really have to do. And then she was start to say like, oh, you know, you should really fucking do this. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> um, and, uh, and bless her heart, she was she was right. Um, but I resisted it. You know, I resisted the call. I resisted that call to adventure over and over again. Yeah. And um, here in Austin, I we go to my weekly fight class and uh, I'm there with Preston Smiles. It's a good, good fucking dude who you know. And one day he ran into class and Jetty's in that class too. And he's got this pink a piece of, pink piece of paper in his hands he just runs in gives it to jetty and then runs out and before he runs out the door i'm like hey what what the fuck was that what'd you just do Mm -hmm. he's like oh it's um my purpose statement purpose statement for what purpose statement for the vision fast i'm doing with jetty
1: that preston was doing yeah exactly was he on your exactly yeah he was with you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. oh wow Uh i didn't know that
0: and i was like when he's like uh april 7th through the 9th i was like I'm talking to Jetty. He's like, talk to Jetty. (laughs) So in the showers, we're showering after a Muay Thai class, Mm -hmm. talking to Jetty. Jetty, man, I know I've always had to do this. Um, I'm fucking scared. He's like, are you ready? I'm like, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Everybody else had already committed. Everybody had already committed. I was like, he's like, all right, let's get together later today, and we'll talk, and we'll see. Got together later that day. We talked, and he was like, okay. I think you know, like, like he heard my why, he heard my reasons, and um, I said, "Give me, give me the rest of the day." By the end of that day, I felt it, felt true, slept on it, texted him in the morning, I'm in. Nice. And the moment I said I was in, it fuck it began, right? Um, because this, this was in some ways like you know, I've been blessed to receive. A lot of initiations in my life because of the kind of work that I do and and have been partici- a participant in, but there is nothing like the old ways. There is nothing like going out into nature and having nothing, but this, um, and so it scared the fuck out of me. Mm-hmm. And and it was like this. It was like this big like magnet or this big sun that I knew was in my future now, only a, like five weeks away, that was just pulling me forward. And it was this big like. It was just like burning away all the things that were like, oh, no, do you really need that? Do you really need that? Mm-hmm. Because I knew like, oh, I'm not going to have that out there.
1: Were you still wrestling with the blood sugar stuff a yeah. little bit? Oh, yeah, for sure. So pretty anxious. So, yeah, I yeah,
0: for sure. Um, and so that next day I started like getting serious about intermittent fasting and bringing my windows um, and just like just letting go. Because mm-hmm. so in, in a traditional kind of rite of passage process there's three stages. The first is severance. Severance is where you're cutting away the things that are not needed um and preparing to enter the second the second stage, which is the threshold, which is the actual experience of the the you know, the thing that you're going into, which might be the sundance right. or it might be the vision fast, right? The thing that you're going to do, the the ceremony, whatever it is. Um and and that's those four days, right? For me, that was those four days, the threshold experience of, you know, having entered into the threshold as somebody but not yet quite returned, that new person. Um, and now I'm in the third stage, which is the incorporation, bringing the thing to life I received out there. Um, but yeah, so I'm in severance and I'm fucking, I'm scared, I'm seeing all the things that I'm afraid to lose, you know, my mm-hmm. my woman, my my comforts, my... My friends, my work, my habits—a um, bed, a bed, <laughs> yeah, <fucking> food, <laughs> a bed. When I got back to a bed for the first time, I was like, "Fuck, this is a great invention. Totally, <laughs> this is totally, this is solid."
1: Give me the uh, the constraints. It was it was four nights. Uh huh. So four nights. You have water. Yeah. So no food. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tent.
0: No tent. Um, no tent. We what had did a, you have with you? Yeah. So we had. Um, We had basically everything that we we could, we had fit into a backpack. Um, Where we were, uh, it had been raining for like like a full straight week before we went. So when we got there, it was like, and it was raining when we got there too. So it was muddy. Um, So they gave us, they let us have a hammock and a tarp. Um, So that was sleeping arrangements, hammock and tarp, sleeping bag. Um, And then we had a gallon of water for each day. Um, I had salt. Uh, which they encouraged and um, then I also I had uh, I had some friends who in here who had gone before me who I actually so my friend Brandon Bozarth mm-hmm. um, he had gone and done this the year previously and he was the kind of he was the, the another call to adventure he came back and told his story to us as a community and he invited me to come and uh, shade as well and leaving that I was like well, we both looked at each other and we were like I have to do that. You know, I just fucking knew it. So many calls. So so many many calls. Yeah. It's just like, Oh, it's just like closing in on you. Exactly. exactly. Um, so he gave me a little bit of the download of like, Hey, you know, whatever, drink your pee or, (laughs) uh, you know, take B vitamins, like things like that. So, so I had some B vitamins that I would kind of put into my water. Um, had a notebook and a pen, um, and just close, just close to switch into. Mm -hmm. Um, that's it.
1: And so what, what happened out there? Like, tell me a little bit, maybe <laughs> yeah. uh, a few stories or a few things that you really, distinctions yeah. you made or something that you really got. Because I know I've, I haven't done something quite as contained specifically for that, but a lot of people who have heard me talk know I did 28 days in Southern Utah with minimalist survival, mm-hmm. really focused on the survival. There wasn't really a spiritual component to it baked into the experience. However, obviously you spend 28 days off-grid the spirits there Mm -hmm. spirit is with you the whole time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I did five nights, six days. Um, I had food, but I, you know, I had nothing else. That was all I had. I had food. I had access to a river. I'd built a friction fire. I built a shelter for myself. And out of those 28 days, those five nights alone on the side of a mountain where I was given an area that was kind of mine. So Mm -hmm. I wasn't wandering. Um, some of the most profound nights of my life, you know, and I wasn't even fasting. Right. And I was, and I, I, I had books and shit. Like I had a few things with me. I had a book, I had a reference guide of Southern Utah that I read like 50 times. And I could tell you every rock formation and bird in the whole state, because (laughs) I was like, man, there's not much to do all day. I guess I'll just keep reading this reference book over and over again. But, uh, But also it's hours and hours where I would literally just lay on the earth and watch nature and the squirrels and the birds and the animals go through their routes Mm -hmm. and everything and hunt and, and, and like look for mates and the pines, you know, blowing in the wind. Mm -hmm. And and for me, it was like, you know, collecting firewood and just walking around. Um, But so many hours just laying and just taking it all in and, and there's just so many profound insights that came through me, yeah. you know, came through, um, <laughs> in those moments. And, and I had this giant ponderosa pine that I had built my, I had a little A-frame shelter under mm-hmm. and, and that, that tree became he he was literally the structure which held my home, yep. and I, I think I named him Brian or something. I <laughs> took some notes and I, and I talked to him every day. And I would lean against. him. people were like, "Oh yep. my god, that's like the most woo, like fucking granola <laughs> hippie <laughs> shit ever." But when yep. you're out there, like that's there right. is, a, there's a level of animation yeah. that it takes it takes a little bit for you to kind of yeah. let go of of, mm-hmm. of culture and society and, yep. and, and and your normal interactions with nature. And really drop into like, oh, there really is a spirit here. There's yes. a spirit in all these things. This tree has a, a specific kind of personality or a specific energy about it, and so does this rock and everything. Yep. And it and it and we forget that. And that you know, in my belief, and I'm sure you kind of uh, you know that animistic belief of the world. Um, it's really hard to read about or to go mm-hmm. for a walk in nature and get that experience. But once you've had a few days and especially when you're in a fasted state, I was in a huge calorie deficit. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'd lost 20 pounds by then. So I might as well have been in a fasted you know, state. <laughs> um, like everything else really comes alive, yep. you know? And, and one thing, one of my favorite kind of influencers or guys that I follow, uh, Daniel Vitalis, he talks about how most people, when we hike or we go for, in nature, we're almost like astronauts where we right. put on all the gear mm-hmm. you know we got the walking sticks and the, and the synthetic fibers and everything like that and we're all like geared up and we right. just stay on a path and it's like we're like astronauts on a foreign earth and especially with this whole you know uh, leave no trace, Right? Which is great. Like, of course, don't leave garbage and don't, you know, over harvest things. But actually we're here to interact with nature, right? Mm-hmm. And we're here to be close to nature and we should be touching the trees and we should be laying on the earth and we should be interacting with the plants and the animals and everything around us because we are a part of it. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of created this culture and this dogma around, like, n- nature divorcement, right? And so yeah. these experiences, like what you're going on, um, I imagine what you got out of it is similar to what I got out of It's just deep, not only reverence, but just deep teachings in the nothingness, you know, just being out there. So I'd love to hear a little bit about what you got out of that experience. Fuck,
0: man. <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. Well, well, so just like my friend Brandon, I came back and um, I was actually one of the first guys to have the idea to, to have people send me off for my quest the night before um, as well. But I was, I was lucky enough to have people come back and receive my story. And to tell it right takes like an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. right? To tell the whole... The whole thing t- takes about an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, your your story right there just reminds me of so many moments, you know. Um, there was this spider at my spot that I named Mr. Spider. Every day I go out there and, you know, bow <laughs> to Mr. Spider, say hello to him. Um, and my, my – the one thing that I forgot to say that I had was um, that night after I had everybody over to kind of um, – send me their blessings and their prayers. And, and also for me to say like why I'm going, you know, cause that was an important piece for me is to not just, um, to not just have this experience by myself and then come back and life continues as normal. Right. I wanted, I wanted, cause a part of this is to shift one's own perspective, one's own kind of psychological view of themselves, spiritual view of themselves, the whole fucking thing, but also to be seen as that, right. That's an important part of that initiation and rite of passage. Traditionally is like that boy is no longer a boy. He's gone through that experience and he's returned a new man. I'm going to see him as such. So that was an important piece for me. Um, and after that night, <clears throat> my woman, Ashay wrote me a little love note. And I'm kind of putting the final touches on my gear bag and stuff like that. And she, she gives it to me and I go, should I read it right now? And we both look at each other and go, nah, save it. Mm-hmm. So that was my book. That was this mm-hmm. thing that I had. Um, this was like a letter? A little, little like, letter that she Ooh, folded up, say. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I threw it into my journal. And I knew I had it, and um, pretty much every day I was out there, from the days of preparation, a couple of days of preparation to, to the days that I was that I was on the fast, I was like, "Oh, should I read it now? Should I read it? You know, to give me inspiration and courage to go out there." Day one, I was like, "Oh, should I read it to give me, you know, like fullness for, for my next fucking four days?" And and when, particularly when I was on the fast, I was like, "Now I'm gonna save it for when I really need it." And it was kind of like this little piece of chocolate mm-hmm. that like, no, nah, I'm going to really, I'm going to wait on that one just for the perfect moment. It makes me tear up right now. Even just thinking about it because I waited till day four to read it. Day four was last day, last day out there. And I, and I read it and it's just, I read like a, one sentence of it and I just fucking cracked, just bawling. Um, because that was a big, that was probably the theme I fast was, was love and union. Um, and every time I thought of her and her praying for me and her practicing for me, her eating for me, my heart would just swell. I could just feel every, every moment of it. And reading that, that love note that I had saved until that last day, this feel, you know, as I'm reading it, the like wind is blowing and, and birds are chirping and the sun is shining and and I'm so close to the end of this thing that that just daunted the fuck out of me for so long. It just broke me open. Um, but you're so right about about that animism piece, and the fasting really allows you to drop into that, drop beneath the layers of society that you know we're just we we're, we're the only ones that aren't at home out there we right. really are everything else is right on time right in the perfect place has no question of itself um and is perfectly at home and perfectly naked right yeah it's perfectly naked no no other animal is got its you know its gear bag and its fucking rei clothes on yeah
1: um, i was recounting <laughs> my story with chris you know because mm. he was interested in going on this 28 day journey that i went on with boss and I was like, hey, are you still interested in doing it? Are you still going to do it? And he was like, ah, I don't know, you know, and I started to talk. I was like, you got to do it, man. And and as I was talking about it, it was the same thing. I just started to get really emotional because that piece around the disconnection where we're the only ones out of place, in my experience, there's a lot of grief there. Oh, yeah. And, like, you don't feel it because we're so inculcated. We're so protected moving from... Like closed air-conditioned, climate-controlled space to climate-controlled car to office to store to you know what I mean. And we just like we if we want to, we never have to interact with nature. And you really have to create those containers and force yourself out there. That's right. In order to touch on for me what is an immense amount of grief of a disconnection that is always there in our body but we can't quite put words to or we don't even have an awareness around because we've never had known anything else like we're ignorant to this grief this idea that there's a whole world happening where it's perfection like one of the the big insights I got when I was out there is there was a level I can't remember the exact words I I used but it was like there's a pristine awareness I think that's exactly what I said that exists out there and I wrote all about it uh, in this book. I filled these little journals, just like mm-hmm. ton- th- mm-hmm. four or five of them, right? Just writing these profound, just the the how pristine it is when you're yeah. out there that everything is in its place yeah. like that. You know, I kept thinking of that Lao Tzu quote, like nature never hurries yet everything is accomplished, right? Yeah. And just being out there and being like, oh my God, what are we doing? Like, yeah. Why am I struggling? Why yeah. am I stressed? Yeah. Why am I in such a hurry, I came home, I'm like, I'm never hurrying again. <laughs> yeah. I'm never doing anything in a rush yeah, again. Totally. But you can't you do you can you can't even comprehend no, no no, you cannot like what the fuck I'm talking about yep. until you've been in that situation three, four days beyond, yeah. right? Where you realize, oh, this is the this is the cycle of nature. This yeah. is the speed of life. Mm-hmm. This is the perfection that even right now as we hear the birds chirp and everything, that everything is out here is really as it is and as it's meant to be. Yeah.
0: And so are we. Mm -hmm. So are we in our own bizarre fucked up human way. Mm -hmm. Like we are also absolutely perfect in wherever we are in our journey. Um, And for men, as especially just as you said, like no one's going to come and give you that experience. No one's going to come and say, Hey man, Time to go out into nature. Time to get initiated. Like you're ready. No one's gonna fucking say that. We have to do it, despite the fact that we're afraid we're not ready, um, or despite the fact that everything's okay, seemingly. So, so for me, a, a, another part of my experience was um, feeling like I'm changing. I'm changing the line. I'm changing the guard. Like I'm the first man to be initiated in my family and two, three, four generations. Who knows? Like quite a long time. I'm the first man to do, to, to do a rite of passage in the old way for who knows how long. But the thing that gave me, the thing that gave me strength, a big part of it was that I wasn't doing it just for me. I had this moment day three where I was fucking struggling. Day three is the, the day of the death lodge, as they say, the day where, where what really needs to die dies. And, um, there was this moment where it's just, um, and all of a sudden I had this, you know, as, as you say, like I was just, just laying there, you know, I would just be, I would, I would sit, there were some guys who would walk around and stuff like that, but I really just stuck to my little spot. Um, and I was, I was sitting there and like struggling and all of a sudden this insight came that was like, I'm only struggling because I'm making this about me and how I'm suffering right now. But if I were to take on the fact that I'm not doing this just for myself, I'm doing it for my family. I'm doing it for my future kids. It, when I took that on, the, the, the struggle disappeared. The suffering went away. Because all of a sudden it wasn't just about me. It was about the fact that I was doing this for my kids. I was doing this for their kids. I was doing it for the, like, those who came after me. So that they could have a better life, my whole mantra the first the first two days out there I was fucking I was fucking not looking I was like I was scared man I was scared yeah. to go out there I was scared I was nervous I was excited I was a whole slew of things but my mantra was four days for the rest of my life yeah I'm gonna go sacrifice four days so that the rest of my life can be spent in a better way and what I realized was it's not just for the rest of my life, but it's for the lives that come after me. Absolutely. And that made it so much easier, so much lighter.
1: Yeah, so often we can get so, well, that's just another cultural thing. It's like we get so self-absorbed and Mm. individualistic and we forget that life is actually so much easier when we're doing things for people beyond us, whether it's the children that we have or haven't had yet or we're in service of others that there's so much more we're always gonna have more energy and more commitment to do things in service of the greater than in service of ourselves oftentimes. Yeah. Yeah. Because then it's not about we're not making about our own emotional state or physical state in the given moment because it's like beyond that. Yeah. You know? It's yeah. almost like when you when you cook for yourself, you'll do a half ass job, but when you're cooking for <laughs> yeah, others, exactly. you'll always like put right. that little bit of right. extra effort right. in. It's kind of like that analogy. Yeah. Where when you find find a, and it's just like the work we do. It's the same thing. thing. It's like, man, when I step into that space and really serving others and, and I spend an hour of my time, but it could change the arc of their life forever. Just the reverence and the love and the, and, and taking the focus off ourselves and onto something that might change the lives of that man's children or that man's relationship. And like his entire lineage, uh, there's just something so deeply, I don't know. It's beautiful, but it's more than that. It's it's sacred. Yeah. Like it's and, yeah. and and I think that's what I'm hearing you say too is like part of this rite of passage is for me to come back to my community as a man. But another part of it is is so I can come back as a man to be of service. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. To
1: like to, to, to be refined and to, to clear some things away and to to have that market moment where it's like okay now i'm stepping into holding instead of being held yeah
0: yeah exactly man exactly and that's that is the role of the man mm-hmm. to hold mm-hmm. to hold and to be held by other good men right to have good men at it like like now like i i, I feel a different man like I'm i'm not the same man that i came that I came out there. Of. What do
1: you think the biggest market difference is for you in, in terms of maybe how you feel or how you're approaching life coming out of that experience?
0: Well, for one, there's a deeper connection to, to the part of me that is deeply connected to, to like the medicine of nature mm-hmm. that I didn't have before. And then you could say that like to God or to spirit or to, something greater than ourselves. There's just a different level of depth to my connection to that. Um, and trust of, of like that, that animated spirit in all things that's always talking. Like I, I can hear it now so much more clearly. And I feel myself as a different man because of it. Like I I've, I've faced the thing that was probably the most scary thing for me, like the thing I was most afraid of. And things had to die for me to do that. And I come back. I've come back on the other side, still alive, still here. And there's something kind of I can't even describe it. There's just a sense like I like I. It's like I know. It's like I I've I've known death in a different way, and so I know life in a different way.
1: Mm.
0: And um, I remember like the first time I've got a gold gym down the street. I went back to it after, after the fast. And I looked around at all these, all these like young men and I was like, they don't know that. No, they, they, they don't. And even young men in their fifties, <laughs> like they, they, there's just something to be, that, that happens to us out there when we let go of we let go of mommy. We let go of the physical mommy, our, our infantile boyish thing and face death. Yeah. Yeah. Face the death of all the things that we really like and prefer and blah, blah, blah. And have to, you know, and food, let go of the thing that we think is going to keep us alive so that we can find the nourishment in something greater in something in here. Right. That fucking fire in our belly. That's, that's our purpose. That's the real thing we're fucking here for. Um, and to do that with a group of men who are gonna who are gonna support you in it, there's nothing like it, man. Like it's probably the greatest thing I've ever done for myself, and I've done a lot of fucking things, but it just gave me a strength of spirit in myself that. First of all, a big lesson for me was that. Um, I thought I was going to go out there and fucking pray for a vision and the skies were going to open and <laughs> eagles soar over and it was going to be like, all right, sweet, I'm good to go, done. Got my vision, it's, everything's easy peasy. wasn't like that at all. You know, out there when you're not eating, you're not drinking, you know, you're, you're not like distracting yourself, you're just sitting. Time moves so slow. So slow. you think the sun's moving backwards sometimes, you know. And so I realized day one, like, oh, this is not what I thought it was going to be. It's not going to come easy. And it's not going to come in this big, ecstatic peak moment. Um, and that, that's, I, I realized that in life, I was waiting for things to come easily.
1: Expectations. Exactly. right? Exactly. That, it's almost like we're anticipating something and then it feels even longer right? Yeah. You know they're like okay yeah. come on vision yeah. like where are you? Well that
0: and also just like i i'm a i'm a good guy. Yeah. I'm a good I'm a good boy so i think life's going to give to me. Give
1: me stuff. Exactly. Yeah, there's a bit of entitlement yes, there. Yes, totally. Yeah. Oh yeah,
0: I'm, i i yeah, I've, i'm praying, right? I've got it down. I'm doing it right. Like oh, life's just going to give it to me. No. Like it was going to take my effort. It was going to take my prayer. It was going to take my engagement with it to to receive it. And also to, to like drop fucking everything that Mm -hmm. isn't it. Mm -hmm. Like be willing to drop everything that isn't it. Um, so that was a big, that was a big one for me. And really what I, what I started to do was just listen to what wanted to happen and then do it. And at the same time, listen to, listen to nature. Nature is always talking to us in particular when we're praying and we have a strong intention, she answers and it, it just have to know how to see it. Um, and so really, really, there was only one actually no i'm gonna I'm gonna hold that. There was one vision that I actually received, but i'm going to keep it I'm going to keep, keep it, it in your heart for now. No, yeah, that makes yeah, sense. yeah, yeah.
1: no I, I think it's ironic too, for me, uh, having that experience in nature, especially you know the, the portion that I was alone because I was with a group for a lot of the month as well, is. You know, despite not having food, despite drinking water that was not the cleanest water I've ever drank, you know, literally sleeping on the dirt, uh, no distraction, nothing to do, how ecstatic I was in moments. I'm just like, wow, I have refined and simplified my life to literally the bare necessities where I'm only focusing on taking care of the absolute biological needs that I have. And I've never felt more free. Yeah. I've never felt more connected. I've never felt more at peace with how life is. And I've never been so like, yes, the days went by slow, but I kind of relished in it. Oh, Sometimes yeah. it was like, "Holy shit, this is a long day," <laughs> but I, I don't even know what time it is. But other times, yeah. it's like I'm relishing in the moment. Like, talk yeah. about presence. Oh yeah, you know, we, it, it's it's hilarious because I think, you know, especially in communities like this and, and in Austin and other places. It's like go go go, like entrepreneur, but also like mindful meditation, be present, be aware. It's like you don't know fuck all about awareness. No, you want to be aware. Like, just go. You don't have to meditate even out there. You don't have to do anything. There's no choice but to be present. You want you want an experience of presence. Yeah, go put yourself in where like you're hungry. Yeah, you're thirsty. You have no fucking clue what time it is, you know, and you've, you've removed all of the, like you said, like the, the, the mommy, like you've removed all the things that you can grasp onto. There's nothing but presence and awareness. out there. That's all that's left over. That's
0: all there. When you let go of all that stuff, that's all there is.
1: No amount of plant medicines and meditation and biohacking and everything that you layer on top.
0: That's just doing
1: get back to presence. It's hilarious because it's no, 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 no. it's, it's get rid of all that stuff. Get yep. rid of all your expectations. Get rid of the the yearning, the yep. trying, the entitlement, all the stuff that like y- you practice in the the right language and the workshops and all the shit that people try to do to yeah. get back into that primordial state that always already is the natural yeah. state of being a human. Yeah. And we've layered all this stuff on top of it, and then we layer more on top of it to try to get back to it yep. without realizing it's the stuff that we have to remove.
0: That's so. just the spiritual version of buying the car, fucking totally. getting the house. Getting the perfect partner, like that's just the same thing. We're adding, we're doing, doing to get back to some place that doing to like get back home. to being essentially, yeah, exactly. right? It's
1: like you can't do your way into being. You just got to be, yeah. and what it takes in, in in our modern society is that you literally have to. I'm imagining like someone just getting like plucked out from above and just yeah. taken and like dropped into the middle of an environment that's disorienting. They don't know where they are, and all they the only option they have is to be. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah yeah man that's that's exactly it. and i remember before i left my lady was like what are you gonna do out there <laughs> and i thought about it for a second and i said listen mm-hmm. i'm gonna listen Yeah. um because that's really all there is to do when you're out there you just it's
1: something we're so bad at too yeah. especially oh, men yeah. oh yeah no i yeah. know the answer like, uh, yeah, exactly no, i do know what to do oh, yeah. the more action i take like the more results I get, whatever, like that. it's like oh have you even stopped to to listen? Yeah. yeah. Have you even stopped for a moment of breath? Like, really?
0: Yeah, man. But there really is, it's like in Vipassana, I say, you know, there's three levels of wisdom. The wisdom that you read in books, scriptures, things like that. You read online. You read on fucking Instagram.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They're <laughs> laughing. <laughs> totally. uh, We're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Second is the wisdom that you hear from teachers, right? That you hear from fucking podcasts or whatever it is, or your teacher, or your guru, or whatever. The third and the highest wisdom is the wisdom of your direct experience. Yeah. And nothing beats that. You cannot get that from your teacher. You cannot get that from the book. You have to go out there and you know, ideally you pluck yourself from your environment and you put yourself into that place where you're perfectly, you're perfectly held by a container or you are you, you. do get disoriented. You you do go into the darkness. You do have to go straight into the thing you're most afraid of to find out. Like fucking Terrence McKenna said that that um that what I forget what exactly but it was. Like life is about throwing yourself into the abyss and learning that it's a feather bed. Like yeah, that's love that. that's the fucking thing. It's like going straight. And that was a part of uh, I we were all uh, kind of. We needed a big why. You, know, you really need a big why to go out there. You can't just be like, yeah, it seems cool. I want to go do that. Like, no, you got to have a deep calling to be able to face the kind of things that you're going to face out there. Mm-hmm. And so to have a power statement or something that you really rely on while you're out there is an important piece. And they gave us you know, the opportunity to create those. And mine was, my name is Alan McGrath. I am an initiated man of God who enters the caves that he fears so that he may embrace and live up to the power the greatness and the love that his creator granted him, so that his children and his children's children can do the same. Damn, dude.
1: That's powerful.
0: And that's what got me through it. That was my why. And so I call on that every day now. I love it. I sit, up, sit on my meditation cushion and call on that every day. I come out here under that rock out there. Feel nature, feel that part of me. And it's opened up a whole new depth of my being. In I spent a lot of fucking time getting after depth, mm-hmm. um, putting myself in the places to find it. But really, it's about going out and taking away, as we said, all the things so that it can find us. Yeah. Like, that's really it. You're not questing to find something. You go on the quest so that you can remove all the things you think you need so that it can find
1: you. Absolutely. What would you say to, you know, maybe a man's watching or listening to this and he's maybe even unfamiliar with some of the language or it's like, whoa, that seems like, what would the first steps you would give, you know, to a man who. Who wants to cultivate depth who wants to cultivate presence who knows there's perhaps a deeper path yeah. laid out for him but maybe he's stuck in in the normal musings of life the mm-hmm. distractions you know the and and like you and i both felt and i think many many men feel this and that's why when they get to men's work they just like oh this yeah. is the thing yeah. is because there's like a deep yearning in their soul to have an experience that, that there's some layer of, of life that's missing. What would, you, yeah. what would you say to men that are kind of there in terms of taking the next step?
0: I would say find the men that inspire you and put yourself in their orbit. Find the men that inspire you and put yourself in their orbit. Mm-hmm. Because being in their orbit, whether it's whatever, their men's group or their newsletter or their, you know, ideally... In person with them Mm -hmm. because in person there's a transmission that you just you can't you're not going to get through Instagram you're not going to get through Twitter your newsletter it's like being in person with them um your body is going to be impacted by them like your life is going to be impacted by them and the next thing like the next step on your journey will present itself um but but even if it's as simple as like joining an online men's group where you can be like wow that guy is fucking deep like and and it can be a reflection of what you want to grow into. If you're just in your own little world, it's gonna be hard to to grow because there's no reflections to call you forward to the next thing. Um so I would say find the guys who inspire you. Put yourself in their orbit. However that looks, whether it's working with them for a fucking year intensely or being on their newsletter and just digesting their, you know, transmission through that. But but that's a good place to start.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. You know, getting it's such a overused colloquy or whatever it is, you know, like you're the average of the five best people you put yourself around, but there, there is some like deep truth to surrounding yourself with the information, the learning, whatever it is, the podcast, the newsletters, but uh, definitely the experiences, like you said, direct experience is the path. Right. And I know for me and, and from what you've shared and so many of the men that we work with, once you get a taste of that medicine, Mm -hmm there's really no going back, Yeah, right? There's really no going back.
0: Particularly if it scares you. Like, find that thing. It that almost like, has to. It has you know? to. Mm-hmm. Find that thing that's like, oh, that sounds like so exciting, but I'm terrified. Ooh, that's the spot. Go Absolutely. there. Absolutely.
1: Well, I want to honor our time. I know you got another commitment coming up in a few minutes. Um, but saying that, I guess, how can people interact with you? Are you offering anything? Is there a way that, you know, if men hear your story and they resonate with it, that you could bring them into your world, maybe just share a little bit about yeah. what you offer. There's yeah, yeah. so much more that we didn't cover that I oh, know yeah, you do. I wanted sure. to talk about polarity and relationship and we're going to have to save that all yeah. for another right. another right. podcast because I really like what we talked about today and just going deep on, on the vision yeah. and, and nature and that kind of connection. But, but where can people find you? How can mm-hmm. they connect with you and, and how could they work with you if they want to?
0: Well, the best way to work with me right now is one-on-one. Mm-hmm. That's where that's where you're going to go the deepest. You're going to get the most and you're going to, you're going to um, really transform in a deep way. Like I say, like that's work that direct transmission from somebody. That's the, that's the way that I've become the way I am. Like getting to that person that I see, that I admire and putting myself in their orbit. So working with a one-on-one um, is, is what I would recommend for the guys who are called. Uh, I've got a program coming out here soon called King it's going to be about masculine mastery in relationship to the feminine. Mm. Um, that I'm really excited about. It's going to be a new offering. Um, and that will be, that will be some live components online, but, but some teaching modules as well. So that guys can kind of consume it at their own pace. Um, and then they can follow me on Instagram. I am Alan McGrath. And, um, I've got a, uh, last thing is a a co-ed coaching group called the embodied coaching dojo that, um, is a fucking awesome group of men and women um we meet twice a month to to dive in on all things sex money god relationship embodiment polarity really it's a place for people to get coaching but in a group space um, and also get that community support right like having a community of people who are dedicated to their growth is so valuable so valuable and you're not going to get that on a youtube channel like it's got to be you got to feel somebody's heart to really have that and be inspired by it so um yeah those are the those are the ways
1: well i can attest to your depth and to the gifts that you offer so if anyone does feel inclined to work with this after or work with you after listening to this You know, I I can vouch for you, highly recommend your work. Uh, Clearly, you know, you've been on this journey for a while, and and there's so much more here that we can unpack Mm -hmm. uh, that I would love to sit down and do again. Um, But yeah, man, I just want to thank you for having this conversation with me. and, And just, I appreciate everything you do, I appreciate the gifts that you give the world and uh i love you man and i'm happy to call you an ally in in life man because you've been you've become a, a real brother to me in the last few years
0: yeah man yeah thank you but i received that i love you too look forward to more thanks for having me on today all right brother
1: i hope you enjoyed this episode with alan mcgrath i highly encourage you check out all of alan's work online and if you're inspired to work with him you'll definitely want to join me him chris and nick at the ascent men's Retreat this October 6th to 9th at Yakumba Hot Springs in Southern California. Listeners of this podcast can save $500 by using the code BROTHERHOOD at checkout. Go to www.ascentretreat.com and I would act now because this offer is only good until September 30th and will likely sell out. Okay, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Undomesticate podcast and we'll catch you next time. Stay sovereign.